ladies and gentlemen, and happy Monday. It's Rob Port here on the Rob Report on WDAY AM 970. Coming up at uh, 1.30, we're going to talk with State Representative Tom Kading. Uh, he is a sponsor of shared parenting legislation. Now, of course, shared parenting, not a new issue here in North Dakota by any stretch. It's been on the statewide ballot a couple of times. It's been in the legislature a few times as well. Um, this latest iteration, you know, I, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, it's just the same old, same old. Uh, I'm not sure that's entirely the case. I mean, to me, this looks like the legislation before the state house looks like a concerted effort to, you know, try to work and address some of the concerns and, and, and find some middle ground and pass something. Uh, it's come under some fire, uh, an outspoken critic of shared parenting legislation. Jason McLean had a a letter to the editor in the forum over the weekend. So anyway, I want to have Representative Kading on to talk about what exactly this bill is, what it is not, uh, and get some facts out there. So that's coming up at 1.30. You can certainly uh, join in at any time if you have comments or questions about anything on the show. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 is a toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. Or, hey, you can tweet me, too, at Rob Port. Uh, good afternoon, Natil. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today, Rob? Doing pretty good. you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was a nice, quiet weekend. Uh, my mom ended up going out to um, Bismarck to sp- celebrate sister birthdays. Both my aunts have birthdays uh, in February, so they were doing that, which meant she didn't come to Fargo this weekend. So I basically sat at home and watched a lot of Game Show Network, which oh was my. fabulous for me. The Game Show Network is one of my favorite things in the whole world. When I was growing up, I used to watch it all the time with my grandpa. You're you're it's it's odd to me that the game show how long has the game show network been around? Oh gosh, I'm sure for quite a while because Has it really? Well, cuz grandpa passed away when I was a 6th grader. Okay. Well, I guess and I don't know. I, I don't I don't remember game show network or something being around when I was a kid, but I guess I'm probably a lot older than you. I don't think you're a lot older than me. I'm pretty old, Natil. You really getting think old. Are you are you getting old? I'm entering the my winter years. Oh no! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so we had a we had a good weekend. The escape room that oh, we talked about right. last you, week. You promised you were going to tell me all about it. It went off good. Yes. We had six rooms, because um, it was it was sort of a procedure. We hid clues in six rooms, right? And you had to complete each room before advancing to the next room. Uh, we even had a a Spotify playlist to play, you know, some like tribal drums and stuff like that. Uh, that sort of fit the theme of the escape rooms. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, my 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 sixteen year old actually ran most of it. Like she sort of did the you know helping them in each room and introducing each room and what they had to do. Uh, so it went off without without a hitch. Did it was great. We had twelve little kids here and it it worked exceptionally. Uh, so that was fun and we were hopping all weekend. You know between getting ready for the party, executing the party, and then Sunday everybody just kind of laid around trying to recover. <laughs> Because that was a long day. Oh, I'm um, sure it was. A, it was a lot of work, and when yeah. you've got like twelve small children in any yeah. place, that's 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 a lot. Yeah. So uh, this morning, I got quite the surprise. I was um, I was getting up, and and my daughter uh, Layla had gone to school, and I was I was shaving and getting ready for the day, and my wife comes in, and she's like, "Well, uh, you know, the the things you ordered for Cooper came in the mail." And oh, by the way, your issue of Playboy arrived. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Playboy. Because that's exactly what you want your wife to come in and say. 
Now, the stuff that me, you've ordered for your yeah. infant son has arrived, and oh, also Playboy's here. Yeah. Well, you see, and the thing is, is I don't have a Playboy subscription. Like, that's not, and it's 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 not one of those situations, A, my wife wouldn't care if I did. Uh, B, I mean, if, if I did, I would tell her about it, right? Well, yeah, if I was, wanted was, a Playboy. It's I'm the an surprise adult. aspect yeah. that really gets me here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there like, Playboy, and now I'm in the situation where I'm trying, you know, I mean, because it's one of those things where it's like, well, I didn't subscribe to it and everything, you know, yeah, right. And so I have spent all morning trying to figure out how the hell Playboy is sending me a, a magazine subscription, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, because, I've, I mean, I get some, I've gotten some other ones. Like, I've gotten some issues of, like, GQ, uh, Fast Company, uh, Men's Health. Like, every once in a while, I, I'll get one, and, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll come for four or five issues, and then I'll get, like, a notice, and they'll want me to, to renew, right? Like, it's a marketing thing. And I didn't think that Playboy, right, because that's a pretty aggressive move to send you porn in the mail, right? Like, here, subscribe. We're going we're gonna to just unilaterally send you porn on the hopes that you might subscribe to it, right? So I think that can't be it. I, I'm thinking, you know, I'm calling friends up saying, did you subscribe me to Playboy? And, and subsequently, subs, you know, exposing myself to the ridicule from them and, and, the, and the hilarity from them making fun of me for this. And so I've been sitting here. So finally I go to the Playboy website and there's like a, there's like a number on the thing and I figure out that I can log in and it turns out that's exactly what happened. There is a, a a publisher marketing company that sends out apparently uh, magazine subscriptions to people as a marketing ploy. Uh, Apparently I am subscribed to Playboy until September at which point they'll ask me whether or not I want to pay to renew. Well, that's just fabulous. You know, that's 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 probably not the smartest magazine to use that particular marketing ploy with. That's going to cause right. some some interesting discussions in households across the nation, I would assume. And my wife, and, and and again, my wife is totally cool. Wouldn't care if I want to have a subscription to Playboy. I'll have a subscription to Playboy. It's not. We're pretty libertarian household. Well, like but not that. everybody so, is. Not every wife is your wife. Is is what right. I'm getting at there. And so, but I mean, even even so, even in as as easygoing an atmosphere as our household is, I was still feeling a little defensive, right? Like I didn't subscribe to this, right? I mean, that's the position I'm in. I, and so I took a screenshot of, you know, when I found it, tracked it down. And the name of the company, by the way, is uh, Priority One Clearing Services. That's what it's called. And I guess this is just something that they do. So I don't know. Maybe some of you out there are going to get a subscription to Playboy randomly in the mail. Watch your mailbox with anticipation or anxiety. You choose. I, just, <laughs> I, can't, I mean, can you imagine? This would never have happened even 10 years ago. No, and I, I can't even imagine that happening to me now. I mean, like, if I were to go home today and suddenly there was a subscription to Playboy magazine in my mailbox or I don't know a teen people I don't care it it would it would weird me out because magazine subscriptions are something that our generation is used to actively subscribing for and paying for right and so then you start wondering well gosh who's got my information who's spending money that belongs well, to me that's part of what I was worried about is who out there on the internet has my home and not my home address exactly right? I mean, that, that's kind of where my mind's going I mean because I'm you know, I'm something of a public figure, you know, and I'm I can be a controversial person. I write about politics and that winds people up. And 
Now I'm thinking, you know, what sort of a weirdo out there has my home address? It turns out that wasn't it. It was a marketing thing. But, I mean, 10 years ago, though, this, this is the sort of thing. I mean, you send this to the right household, somebody's getting divorced. Right? I mean, good Lord. So, yeah, I don't know. Watch your, uh, ladies and gentlemen out there, if, if your loved one gets porn in the mail and they swear up and down that they didn't subscribe to it, they might actually be telling you the truth. You might just need to believe them. You might need to believe them. <laughs> and you can, you can verify it, by the way. I mean, they, they do have a, like I said, I went in and was able to, with the account number on the on the magazine, was able to log in and see. But what a, Well, maybe what a now crazy you can morning. tell us if the articles are really worth all the, the hullabaloo. You know, I've, it, it's funny because over the years, I mean, that's, that's the joke about Playboy, right? Is, oh, I, I get it for the articles. Over the years, though, they have published some pretty good fiction. Oh, I mean, they published yeah, they, Stephen had... King, and I mean, it's it, it's not a joke. I mean, the articles are very good. I'm, I'm putting my foot in it now. <laughs> well, no, because the articles, the, the are... articles are are good. I've I've yeah. read some of like I've even read some of the like the interviews and the reporting that Playboy yeah. has done on speci- on certain things, and they do a good job with that. And a part of that is because they have the monetary resources to throw at that type of thing because of the money that they because made of the off. porn. Yeah, <laughs> and but that you know, there's I don't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say I don't think there's anything shameful about adult human beings enjoying consensual no. physical pleasures with other consenting adult human beings. I don't have a problem with porn. I would, In fact, in some ways, I think America's healthier attitudes about porn, where we're bringing it more out into the mainstream, is having all sorts of positive social ramifications in terms of crime and unwanted pregnancy and and STDs. I mean, it's... Generally, I think it's a positive thing. I'm a libertarian guy. But even so, I was still, I had a flashback to being 15 years old, right? And all of a sudden, it's like, getting hey, your playboy's your, here. Getting caught with your hand in the cookie jar. It's not mine. All right, we better take a break before I get in trouble. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Rob Report, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. You know, the uh, the issue I got in a teal of Playboy, apparently it's the one where they brought back nudity, right? You know how they made, they made the big headlines where Playboy wasn't doing nudity anymore? Apparently I got the one just in time for them to bring back nudity, so lucky me. Very lucky indeed. I guess. The, uh, I don't know, it, it, what a what a what a bizarre thing. Uh, you know, last week we were talking about town halls. Uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer he had held a town hall on Thursday that got a little feisty, a little shouty, a lot of a uh, lot of rancor going on in the room. Uh, we ended up having him on the show Friday, and he was talking about you know he kind of felt like you know the intent of some of these town halls is is to create YouTube moments and. And I don't, I don't doubt that for a moment. And I, I think it's unfortunate because town halls are supposed to be something that is about civic engagement, right? I mean, we want members of Congress to hold town halls because I think it's appropriate that they take questions candidly 
uh, without, you know, sort of the buffers and filters that are usually around these people, uh, that they engage their constituents, you know, good, bad, or better. And, and if their constituents end up venting a little bit or asking up some tough questions or whatever, then, you know, so be it. That, that to me, goes with the territory. So I think it's unfortunate that, you know, this group Indivisible, I think, is absolutely abusing the process. I think that they're trying to manufacture incidents uh, that they could turn into, to, you know, YouTube moments, as Congressman Kramer put it last week, or viral video moments or whatever. Uh, and it turns out, uh, down in Louisiana, another chapter of this of this indivisible indivisible group uh, got caught. Uh, apparently, a, a radio station down there, KPEL, uh, they they got a hold of some audio of the organizers talking before an event uh, that was going to be attended by uh, U.S. Senator Bill Cassidy, a Republican from Louisiana. Um, you know, basically, they were talking on the phone ahead of time, you know, talking about how they can create the public impression that Cassidy's support for Trump is unpopular with his constituents. Uh, they can be heard strategizing, and I'm reading from a DailyCaller.com article, which I linked at SayAnythingBlog.com if you want to take a look yourself. Uh, they can be heard in the audio strategizing how best to turn a local town hall into a political victory. Uh, they talked about splitting up into an inside team. Uh, tasked with occupying as many seats as they can and an outside team whose job it was to give the media the coverage they want uh, before joining the others inside. Um, I mean, listen, that's that's what this is. Now, again, I think Congressman Kramer should continue to hold town halls. I think he will. He certainly is going to be continuing to appear on this week, every on this show every week uh, on Wednesday for open phone segments. Anybody could call in and and ask him questions or make comments or, or what have you. I know he does that on other radio shows across the state, and he also does these Coffee with Kramer events. He's been doing them for years. I think Senator John Hoven should hold town halls. I think Senator Heidi Heitkamp should hold town halls. I think they should all hold regular town halls. I think our state legislators should hold regular town halls, in their, and many of them do, in their districts uh, back at home. Uh, I think Governor Doug Burgum should hold town halls. That I mean, I I think this that should be a regular part of governing. Should be that sort of sort of interaction, uh, but it's going to be harder to convince the politicians that they should do town halls if they feel like there's a coordinated effort to ambush them at the town halls, and that's what this I I think this indivisible group is doing. I think they're creating that situation, that impression that this isn't really about civic engagement. This isn't really about, you know, coming and having a discussion about public policy and getting questions answered and having the elected official hear from constituents and have that guide his or hers, uh, you know, approach to public policy. I, it, it's, it's about ambush, and it's about gotcha moments, and that's too bad. It really is, you know. And, and I, I say that as somebody who, again, I've been advocating town halls literally for years, literally for years. I have been consistently complimentary of Representative Kramer's efforts in that regard. I have been consistently critical of both Senator John Hoven and Senator Heidi Heitkamp for not holding town halls. And I say that as somebody who was involved in the Tea Party movement going all the way back to 2009, who helped organize, or not organize, I guess, helped notify the public about a lot of town halls that were being held by Representative Earl Pomeroy back then, uh, ahead of his 2010 re-election, which he ultimately wasn't successful. And I was critical of Senator uh, Kent Conrad, who did hold some town halls 
uh, and Senator Byron Dorgan. Uh, you know, their town halls. I, I, I was, you know, I, I've been talking about town, how, town halls for a long time. I think it's funny that the left has sort of jumped on the bandwagon all of a sudden. Uh, and I would be fine if we were talking about town halls. But I, again, I think we're talking about ambush. And that, that's just not, I don't think that helps. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, Brad says uh, stop already playboy is not porn the pictures of naked people are not any more pornographic than the ancient naked statues i agree with that i was actually talking to a friend uh, about that earlier like is that even I, I think once upon a time it would probably be considered pornography but today i mean compared to the sort of stuff you can get on the internet i'm not sure some tasteful nude photos is well i guess it, it really goes to what you want to define pornography as. And I think in its base state, pornography is any sort of nude image that is intended to elicit a specific sexual response. And I think that Playboy nudes are definitely doing that. It's, it's, do I, it's do a, I put it in the same class as like yeah. smush films from Germany on the internet? What, no. What? I don't even know what that is. I'm not going to ask. I was just throwing words together, but it's it's obviously not the same, you know, category. Yeah, you know, I I think the thing is, it's a very subjective thing, and and everybody has different attitudes about it. You know, some people don't like those nude statues in art or whatever; they feel uncomfortable about it. And my response is, you know what? To each their own. It's not for me to judge. I do maintain that it's a it's an aggressive move to uh, send Playboy out randomly. Uh, let's see, another emailer. Playboy is far from porn, and if getting a subscription by a marketing firm would lead to a divorce, you have far deeper problems. Uh, well, first of all, it's not a problem in my household. I'm just saying that could create a situation where maybe some people could get a little uptight, right? I mean, a wife finds a Playboy address to her husband, and he says, I didn't subscribe to it. That could cause a fight. All, all, all joking aside, that could cause a fight. And it wouldn't be, I mean, it wouldn't be hard to see. 701-293-9000, going to have State Representative Tom Kading on. We're going to talk a little bit about shared parenting. Coming up next. Don't go away. Lately life's been the same. I find this comfortable place with all my friends. And then my friends start telling me that I've always been. Fargo Forum over the weekend called House Bill 1392, the new measure six. That was attorney Jason McLean, who has been an an outspoken opponent, critic of shared parenting efforts. Uh, He said that the legislation uh, being considered, uh, which actually passed in the state house of representatives, uh, it was, he, he suggests it is the exact same thing as measure six from the 2014 election, which of course lost uh, with uh, over 62% of the voters voting against. Uh, but I'm not sure it is the same thing. And uh, here to talk with me right now is State Representative Tom Kading. He's an attorney. Uh, he represents, uh, he's from the Fargo area. And uh, Representative Kading, uh, thanks for your time. 
You bet. Thanks, Rob, for having me on today. I appreciate it. Tell me about House Bill 1392. How is it different from Measure 6? Since, that, since that's the accusation being made, and obviously, you know, I, I think people would wonder, I mean, we if, if the people defeated something with 62% of the vote, you know, why bring it up in the legislature? Is is your bill the same thing as Measure 6? Well, if you put both Measure 6 and 1392 side by side, they're clearly different bills. Uh, 1392 has a lot of differences and, and takes into consideration a number of things that Measure 6 didn't consider. You know, when the people voted on Measure 6, they said no to a problematic initiated measure, had some issues. They didn't say no to trying to make positive changes to a custody dispute. Uh, custody disputes are, you know, no one wins when it goes to court. It, so they didn't say no to trying to make the process better. So what, what Measure 6, I'll first talk about Measure 6. Measure 6 basically said all parents out there, all custody disputes result in a 50-50 parenting split, exactly, which affects child support. And that can only be rebutted by the court finding, by a clear and convincing evidence, the presumption of fitness, that fitness isn't one parent isn't fit. What 1392 does is says, you know, most cases, both parents should be involved with the child. And, and that's backed up by many studies, 110 studies over the past 30 years, say this clearly both parents should be involved with the child. Uh, 1392 says 35% to 65%. That's the range that most custody disputes should result in. That being said, the court or the judge can come in and say, you know, I, I don't think that's correct. I'm going to adjust that down to 10 and 90 or 20 and 80 or whatever the judge ends up saying. So the judge has a lot of discretion under the best interest of the child factors. So they can, they can completely change it, and all they have to do is provide a description saying, this is why we didn't do it. So there, there are some major differences between Measure 6 and 1392. 1392, in my opinion, is a pretty good compromise, especially as amended, between what the trial attorneys really push for and the interest of the child. And the interest of the child ultimately should come first. So, so let me, just to sum that up a little bit, Measure 6 said that there is a presumption that that child that the parenting be split exactly 50-50 and the only way you could get past that to where a judge could say no it's going to be less than that or, or one parent or the other is going to get zero is if there is quote clear and convincing evidence of one parent or the other being unfit which is a pretty high bar which your bill does is it sets a lower bar and it doesn't say it has to be 50 50-50 it just has to be somewhere north. No, neither parent, unless that presumption is bridged, can have less than 35%. Is that fair? Exactly. And in what standard this bill uses, 1392 uses what's called preponderance of evidence. And that means more than 50%. So if the judge is 51% certain that one parent is not a good fit for one reason or another, whether that's distance or, or, um, the child's an infant or one of the parents have a drinking problem, many of those issues the court can say, no, 35% custody is not appropriate in this case, and this is why I decided this. 
And, and that, that was the other requirement, is if a judge decides to go away from that presumption, they have to they have to say why, right? I mean, that's a requirement that they have to say, well, th- this is my reasoning that this parent or that parent is is not fit to have a presumption of shared parent. Is that that's correct? Exactly. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty simple bill there. And it, um, you know, it's not a whole lot of requirement on the court to say what, you know, what disqualifies one parent or another. And it's not retroactive, correct? Because that was always a big concern is that, well, we're going to pass something like this and then there's going to be a land rush back to the courts, overwhelm the court system and create some headaches there. This is not retroactive, correct? If, if you want to have your existing custody arrangement reviewed, it would be something that you would have to do so under existing guidelines, correct? Exactly. You know, under current law, it's every two years you can have your your agreement changed. There are some technical other technical ways to do it too, but generally it's every two years. And initially we did keep the retroactive portion in 1392, but after discussion with the committee, we pulled that part and said, let's keep it clean. Let's let's focus on the the issue of having both parents involved. I want to read you something Mr. McLean wrote in his piece. He said, uh, House Bill 1392 states that it is presumed that equal parenting time and residential responsibility promotes the best interest of the child. Such a, such a presumption may only be overcome if a court explains why it did not award equal time. It is the same presumption wrapped in different language. And by the same, he's saying uh, it's the same as Measure 6. He goes on, a presumption is a mandatory starting point for a court. If our goal is to keep families out of the courthouse, House Bill 1392 does the opposite. The court is the only place a parent can go to overcome presumption. Not only that, the burden of proof is no longer equal between the parents. Instead, the parent opposing the presumption bears the burden. Uh, what's your response to that? Well, I mean, a custody dispute could only be enforced once it goes to court, is my understanding. So, you know, what the goal, part of this bill is to keep people out of court. And, and I think this bill effectively does that. I know McLean you know, accepts the fact that shared parenting is a positive thing as accepted by a number of social scientists. And there is no other studies out there saying that um, non-shared parenting less than 35% is positive for the child except in certain circumstances. So I I think he, he agrees that shared parenting is a good thing, but I don't quite follow his logic as to why this is going to Put more people in court because if you think about it i mean anytime i mean divorce happens and i don't think anybody's happy that it happens but it's a thing that happens in our society and I, I i don't know a divorce that takes place where child custody isn't something that's adjudicated by the by the court right i mean in one way or the other i mean a, a divorce may be pretty amicable and maybe the parents come in and they've already got something worked out but in most divorces that stuff's getting adjudicated by the court anyway. At the very least, the court's signing off on it. So this idea that we're going to have more people in court, I mean, all of these cases are going to court anyway. I, I don't understand how, where he arrives at the conclusion that this is going to dramatically increase the number of, of cases in court. Yeah, I don't I don't think it will dramatically increase. I think it'll set a better groundwork for, you know, what to expect if it goes to court in, in a very disruptful manner so i think it'll encourage people to come to an agreement prior to going to court which will make the court proceeding go a little bit easier in my opinion 
how do you look at this? I mean, obviously the, the state house of representatives has passed this and made some amendments along the way. It now heads over to the Senate. How are you feeling about its chances there? You know, in the House, it came out of committee 15-0 do pass, which is an, a very strong statement. It was a bipartisan statement that this is a good idea and this is best for North Dakotans. And, and when it got to the floor, it passed by a really strong margin. You know, I think if, if the Senate looks at it similar to how we've looked at it in the House, I think it has a pretty good shot, you know, if those who support shared parenting, you know, feel strongly about this issue. One of the things that can help to pass it is reaching out to your senator, encouraging them. We've had some conversations with the governor's office, and you I was know, just going to ask. Commitments have been made, but you know, I haven't been seeing a whole lot of objections uh, from senators or from the governor's office. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, and, and listen, I, I like to think that our judges are already presuming this, right? I, I like to think that when you go into a when you go into a, a, a divorce situation and you end up before a judge, that the judge is already assuming, in you know, that these are these are both good people, these are both good parents. They just they can't get along for whatever reason, but we're going to do our best to make sure that they stay in the child's life. Until they get evidence to the contrary, right? Because it's not fair to say that that a, a a a given mother or a given father, you know, should be have a diminished role in their child's life just because, you know, in the absence of some evidence that they're not fit to be a parent. So, yeah, I, I, I I almost feel like this is something judges should be doing already, you know. And and I don't know, maybe there's maybe that's a question for you, representing is, and we have a caller, Jim, that I want to get to as well. But shouldn't judges already be assuming this? I mean, why do we have to make this law? You know, a lot of judges out there aren't assuming it right now. And oftentimes, you know, it's typically the female uh, gets more custody and and it's limited. You know, one of the things with custody disputes, it's an issue that is very contentious among the people disputing that child. and, And it's often used as a point of leverage to you know, get what you want out of out of the proceedings. So making it more clear in law, I think, will just help to expedite the process and, and make the proceedings a little bit more uh, amiable. Well, I, I hope that would be the case. Let's get uh, Jim in here before we go. Just about a minute left. What's up, Jim? Okay, a few things. First of all, it's just pure discrimination against men. Uh, secondly, the man, he doesn't end up getting custody, ends up paying the bills, so he's got to pay for his own living expenses, plus his wife's living expenses, just because she has the child, usually ends up putting him in bankruptcy. Uh, thirdly, you know, this is just, I think these lawyers are fighting him because this threatens a huge cash cow for them. You know, if people aren't fighting over their kids, hey, that's that many less hours that they can bill. And I think that's what they're of. All right, let's, let's let Representative Kading, I, 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 th- I think maybe the, the one point there, what is the motivation for for some lawyers? And I, and by the way, I, I note I noticed that the state bar association doesn't seem to be. Uh, I was just reading their legislative update. It doesn't appear as though they're opposing this. I think they did provided some technical assistance, but outside of that, they're not taking a position on this one way or the other. I think that's pretty notable. But why are so many attorneys like Mr. McLean? Because I hear that a lot that they're opposing it because they have a financial interest in the status quo. Do you feel that's true? I mean, do you, what are their motivations? You know, thanks, Rob. I I didn't catch the full question. I dropped off for a second there, but I think I got the gist of it. You know, we can speculate what the motivations are of these attorneys. You know, maybe it's, you know, what they truly believe. Maybe it's a financial interest. I I couldn't tell you exactly. But 
you know, change is difficult, whether it's, you know, the plumbing industry or the law industry or whatever it is. And, you know, I think naturally when when the government comes in and says, we're going to change your industry for in this way or that, there's going to be some natural resistance there. Um, you know, it's it's true, you know, the... The divorce industry, I'm told, is about a $50 billion industry for attorneys in the U.S., and you know, there's a lot of money there. Well, there is. I tell you what, Representative Katie, that's all the time we got for today. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. You bet. Thank you, Rob. That's State Representative Tom Kading. The legislation is House Bill 1392. It's heading over to the Senate. Something to keep your eye on as we head in uh, to the second half of the legislative session, which, of course, starts later this week. More to come straight ahead, 701-293-9000, is a toll-free number. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be back after this. Don't go away. Yeah, my lonely heart is frozen. Never knew I'd find a way to break yours, too. Where the wind blows, baby, you can bet I'll be riding Welcome back. Wrapping up the Rob Report. I'll be uh, hanging around as I usually do Mondays for uh, the first part of the Jay Thomas show, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we getting some messages from people wondering why I didn't talk about the Oscars flub last night, and the answer to that is because I don't really care. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't care about award show. I, they don't really mean anything to me. I, I like movies. I like TV shows. I tend to just watch what I like. I don't really care what wins awards and what doesn't. It's irrelevant to me. So Warren Beatty, I guess, or somebody screwed up, I guess, and announced the wrong. I guess that's kind of funny, but whatever. I don't tune into them. And, and by the way, it's, it's just a lot of political demagoguery anymore anyway. And there are smarter people on both sides of the political fence that I'd rather listen to than a bunch of clueless celebrities. That's just my two cents. Hey, I'm going to try to get somebody on, by the way, about these uh, uh, North Dakota's uh, immunity laws for drug you know, where uh, if you have an overdose or something, there's immunity law. There are all the some good problems. Samaritan laws. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not sure good Samaritan's the right term because that's different. But we can get into it. I'm going to try to get somebody on tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. We're definitely going to cover that issue. Jay Thomas Show coming up next. Remember, you can catch me here 1 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on WDAY, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again. Stop. Baby, you